What happens now? Hannah Gelb, talk me through it. Okay, wow. Okay, well, this is a very exciting week on Analyze This because Hannah Hart, due to extenuating circumstances, could not make it, but we didn't want to leave you without an episode. So we're going to record an episode with Fabs, our wonderful producer. (laughs) I'm here. It's real. It's happening. Yes. She's nervous for some reason, even though she's brilliant nervous and her name means fabulous. No, I wish it did. It actually means bean grower. Wait, what? (laughs) That's the end of that. thought that's just what it means i think you told me that before and i completely ignored it because i just refused to believe that that's the case (laughs) yeah i always hoped that it meant something exotic and exciting but fabian is just means bean grower i mean it's a french name so i guess its origins are in the bean growing population okay well then basically if it's french then it's still fancy it's it probably also means like champagne like magician (laughs) 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 fabs why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself for our earbuds out there all right well my name means bean grower (laughs) what else what do you want to know about me i'm single what about your (laughs) what about your (laughs) background in uh mental health oh yep okay so my first job out of college i worked for a film festival, which doesn't sound like it's related to mental health. But if you've ever worked at a festival, those earbuds out there know that it absolutely is. Mm -hmm. And then I left that job to go do social work. I was very unqualified for that because I had not trained in any way. But it was right after Hurricane Katrina uh, in Austin, where I live. Everybody was just sort of desperate for help. So somehow I became a case manager with no experience and no education for hurricane evacuees who've been displaced by the hurricane. Yeah. Yeah. So I did that for a year. It was a very, very difficult, challenging thing. And I decided at the end of it that I never wanted to work with people again. So (laughs) I went to work for a software company. And then after doing that for like two years, I guess, I went to work for a church, which definitely involves people. And I did like a little bit of counseling there and then ended up leaving that job and going to do counseling full time at a counseling center and then thought, oh, I'm not really trained. So then I went back to school and got my master's in mental health with a focus on cultural perspectives. Oh, okay. Because I was going to ask like, wow, so you had all these counseling jobs, but you hadn't gone to school for counseling. Right. But you had, but you were rich in experience. (laughs) I was, but any earbuds listening, don't see a counselor like me. See one who has letters after their name. (laughs) Yeah, no, I got my education after my experience. And then it was helpful, I feel like, because I had experience in these things, but then it was important to me to actually have a degree and to go to school for it and those kinds of things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, so then uh, how did you end up working for Hannah Hart? <laughs> you know, it's complicated. So Hannah, this is a long story. Hannah's manager and I, my very first job I mentioned working at the film festival, she and I worked together. It was her first. She was actually still in school at the time and I had just graduated college and oh, we knew each other. That's right. And then when I went back to get my master's, I needed a part-time job. And Hannah's manager was like, oh, come work for me part-time. And then I met Hannah through that. And then I started working for Hannah. And then the rest is history. Then I oh. met Hannah Gallup and my whole world changed. 
<laughs> oh, you do me too much honor. Uh, wow. wow, that's so amazing. What a beautiful story. And you know, it's yes. it's not over. It's not over yet. You still have many years of <laughs> exciting job changes ahead of you. <laughs> yes. Hopefully not for yes, a while though, because we need you to put this together. <laughs> so we figured out that Hannah Hart would not be able to record. And Fabs, in her usual way, sent over a beautiful outline filled with many topics and um, beautiful sentences of deep and mental health related <laughs> things that we could talk about. And then she called me and she's like, what if we just talk about dating? And then I was like, yes! <laughs> uh, the, the thing we're clearly experts in. Oh, absolutely. This is. I feel like this is the right time, though, to talk about it because I'm going to see my new therapist for the very first time this Saturday. And when she asked me why I wanted to go back into therapy, I was saying, I said like all these things. And then at the end, I said, also, uh, I'm not dating at all ever. And I think that's because I don't want to, but I could also just be building huge walls around my heart. Right. So maybe we could talk it's about that. It's so hard to tell. It's so hard <laughs> to tell the difference between like wisdom and self-control and control issues and abandonment issues. You know, they look so similar. Yes. Yes. I mean, and my God, at this point, I'm like, well, it's never going to happen. Not even because, just because statistically, it's so unlikely. <laughs> like, why would I... Why would I meet anyone? Like mathematically, it's impossible. No, you're there still just so aren't young. That many people out there. So let's see. Okay, so we want to talk about why we're not dating. Yes. Okay. Okay. Let's this start there. Is embarrassing. Mm. Maybe I just um, have a lot of self control and don't want to settle. But maybe I have abandonment issues. And how does one tell the difference? Right. Right. And maybe I just don't want to take <laughs> any risks. Maybe I just don't want to get hurt anymore. And Ugh, maybe. But how would you know? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I do know my expectations are probably a little too high after watching Supernatural nonstop for six months. Wait, could we? Hold on. So is your expectation someone who hunts like demons and spirits and ghosts for a living? <laughs> uh, no, just someone who's, you know, like between 6'2 and 6'4 and uh, has okay. beautiful hair and eyes and a really deep voice and can like maybe pick me up really easily and like throw me over his shoulder. <laughs> oh my God. This is why the okay, media sound like really lives. healthy things. <laughs> these that these sound like things that indicate a human being is good and kind on the inside right see (laughs) Ugh. that's that's let's talk about it this question first do you want you want to be dating well that's the thing it's like i really don't know and maybe that i'm overthinking it but i just feel like like i am aware that being in a relationship doesn't solve any problems it's right right it's a different situation and there are benefits but it's not an answer to anything. So I just don't, it's like, so like knowing that it's very hard to reconcile that with the like cultural narrative of just like everyone is, everyone wants love. Everyone wants romance and everyone's looking for it all the time. And maybe I'm just like a robot now, but I'm like, but why? I mean, (laughs) right. It's so hard because it's like, you've been culturally programmed right? To feel like that's the thing that's missing anytime something feels like it's missing. Mm -hmm. But then you're also, well, at least I feel this, that I'm old enough in life to have watched so many relationships fall apart. Even ones that I were like, was like, this is amazing. They love each other, blah, blah, blah. And then I see it totally crumble. And so it's like, 
wait, what was the thing I was supposed to be excited again? Is it, am I supposed to be excited about like the first couple of years of a relationship where it's like lovey and great, but then what happens? You commit to that person and then you grow apart. And then like you wake up 15 years from now and you're like, who is this person? I don't even like them, but I'm married to them. And now what do I do? Oh my God. I don't know. That, that doesn't sound good to me. Yes. Yes. I think that's a really good point. I mean, I feel like the general focus in society is like the, the first couple years and then like getting married and being this like young, beautiful couple and having a beautiful wedding. And like, that's like a tiny percentage of actual living, you know, and like, yeah, and things are going to change. And it's just more of a lifestyle choice than like anything. Right. These days. And yeah, right. and in the end, you're going to die. And so is your spouse and you lose everything. Right. <laughs> totally, totally. And and someone's going to have to die first. Like, that's the thing. Like, one of you is going to have to watch the other one die. Mm-hmm. And that sounds really bad. That sounds, I mean, and then there's, yeah. I don't know if you've heard of like the, there's like a triangular theory of love or whatever. It's this Sternberg guy. Does this ring any, have you ever heard of this? Uh-uh. Okay. It's like this triangle thing and you know, just supposed to be a metaphor for how relationships work, but it's just like a a theory of love that some psychologist guy made. Um, But like the three corners of the triangle are intimacy, passion, and then decision commitment. And so his theory is essentially that you can't really ever have all three of those in any relationship, but every relationship has some of them. So like intimacy is like how well you know somebody, how well they can predict what you're going to do. It's that connection of deep knowing passion, which is another corner of the triangle is obviously like what we think of as like, you know, like attraction, those kinds of things. But passion is increased, the more unpredictable someone is. Okay. And then you have commitment, which is the third part of the triangle. That's like how confident you are, they're going to keep their promises like that they won't leave you and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. his theory is that like this, this idea that you could have all three of these in a human relationship is impossible because intimacy and passion are essentially at war. They're hard to coexist. You have passion when you first meet someone because you don't know everything about them because they are sort of unpredictable. Mm -hmm. And then like 10 years in when you're like changing kids diapers together, you might have a lot of intimacy and commitment, but you probably don't have a lot of passion Mm -hmm. because intimacy and commitment, those corners of the triangle are on the opposite side of passion anyway. Right. That's why. Okay. I think about this all the time. (laughs) Oh my God. I'm just going to bring it back to Supernatural one more time. I'm, I think about Sam and Dean. They're such a fantastic couple to ship because there is no way that, that relationship could would ever work exactly. at all in real life because it's so codependent and it's so explosive. And like the obsession that they have like with each other, like it's so great to romanticize and like, but like it, it wouldn't it, like real relationships and real love just like right. don't look like that right. it's just not possible no. and it pains me to say this oh god um <laughs> but i think that's why it's like so fantastic i ship it i yeah. ship it everyone fucking sue me <laughs> whatever i mean the reason i thought of us even doing this episode on dating because i was like well, Hannah Hart's not here to tell us <laughs> real things and why we're both making bad choices <laughs> in our lives. <laughs> because I think that's what she'd say about our dating choices. Oh, um, yes. I know that she, every time, thing. Every, you guys, uh, Hannah's always like, Hannah Kel, you just need to date someone who's not tall. Because you keep... <laughs> yeah, she does have a, she does think that's like your bar that's too high. And maybe it is, you know, I'm not saying it's not. I'm just, that is an accurate 
representation of Hannah Hart's perspective. I think. Yeah. And I'm, I'm like, well, I don't know. I mean, don't know. maybe, but like, no, I just, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm not going to rule out. I'm just like, they don't have to be a giant, but like, okay, no, maybe they do. Anyway, sorry. Continue, Fabs, please. Okay. How does attraction work for you though? Because like, I feel like I'm a person who doesn't have a lot of physical like requirements mm-hmm. in a guy, mainly because attraction for me is a thing that is very much based on personality, which is why I could find, I don't find Sam or Dean attractive. But even if I did, <laughs> I wouldn't necessarily then find the real life actors attractive because it's totally based on the character, you know? Mm-hmm. And then what that means though so like in some ways I'm like, oh, that, that sounds so healthy because I don't have this really high bar in terms of they have to have a certain look. But the hindrance of that is if anybody asks me on a date, I'm not at all attracted to them because I don't know anything about them. So I'm like, no, because I'm not attracted to you, but I can't ever be attracted to them until I know them. So so then in the past, how have you, how has attraction happened for you if it can only kind of blossom in this certain way? Yeah, we're like friends. We're always friends first. I'm always, well, okay, that's not true. Every now and then I do have an instant attraction with somebody, but most of the time I'm like friends with them first for a really long time. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, oh, I think I have feelings for them. And then that sort of grows. And then I stay in like a very like Dawson's Creek type (laughs) friendship (laughs) angst situation as long as possible. (sighs) Well, gosh, yeah. I mean, I am not a professional. At all. And uh, everything I say is probably wrong. I'm, I feel like there's wisdom in that, you know, there's like wisdom because you're like a little bit like a detective and you're like really figuring out if you like this person by being friends with them first. (laughs) But then I guess there is, there's always an element of risk involved. Right. Which, yeah, it's probably why I wait to find out that they're not into me. And then I start to develop feelings for them so that there can be no real risk involved because I start with rejection. And if you start with rejection, then you have nowhere to go but up, <laughs> right? Oh. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, how does anybody get together? Well, but okay, here's the thing that I, this is where I landed because <laughs> if Hannah Hart was here, she'd be like, you know, but you should try, put yourself out there. Here's what I say to the Hannah Hart's at home <laughs> listening. Yes. The thing is, I told another friend this, it's like, if I was a hundred percent sure I wanted to be in a relationship. Like if that was a goal I had for my life, then I would do the work of like going on a date with someone I wasn't attracted to doing the work of sitting there, having an awkward conversation and making small talk, which is a thing that I hate Mm. because the end goal is a thing I really want, Mm -hmm. but I'm not like a person who's like, I have to find the guy, settle down, have a family. Like I'd love to have a partner. But like when I dream about my life, it's not usually that it's like, Oh, I want to be a writer. So that's the thing that I'm willing to do the hard work, the steps and pursue because I'm sure about the end goal. Mm -hmm. But I don't feel that way about Mm -hmm. relationships. And so whenever someone's like, Oh, well, you'll never find someone if you don't go on a date, then I'm like, Okay, that's fine. Because I really hate dates. And (laughs) if the consequence of not going on a date is not finding anyone. Okay, like, I get it. I get the why you would feel that way. I'm willing to pay the price, you know? Yeah. Well, that's such a good point. And it's so indicative of the fact that we all kind of are raised with this very black and white idea of, like, happiness. It's like, well, if you don't find someone, like, you're going to lead this horrible life of loneliness and despair. And it's like, well, no, you're not. <laughs> Who said that? Like, you. Right. what about all of your friends? What about all your other relationships? What about, like, 
your hobbies that you enjoy and like you know it's like why does it just narrow down to this one thing i mean i just think right i guess this is very this is like very cynical but at least recently for me the idea of a relationship is like trading your freedom and independence for the illusion of stability you don't know what's going to happen and no matter what, it's an illusion yeah. that it's going to stay forever, that that person's going to stay forever, that you're going to stay forever, that the relationship will stay yeah. forever, that like, that it's everything's going to be fine and good. And I don't know. I mean, not that. Okay, if you're in a relationship and yeah. you like it, good for you. That's awesome. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, I think the thing is, it's like that relationships are good. They're just different. And I think the problem with the cultural programming is that it's communicated the one is more. Mm-hmm. Like even the way we talk about it, like when uh, I had a friend who came to stay with me just recently, who is a college friend of mine. And someone was like, oh, are you guys just friends? And I hate that expression because it's like, we're friends. That's a huge gift. Mm -hmm. And if we were something else, if we were something different, it wouldn't be more than friends. It wouldn't be friendship plus. It would be a different relationship. Like you can't have the kind of open-handedness you have with a friend, with a partner. Mm -hmm. The expectations change, the requirements change, Mm -hmm. the dynamic changes. Yes, you get to add in this like fun sexual dynamic, but you also take out this like freedom dynamic where you're what what I call freedom friends, which is like, I have, I don't need anything from you. That goes away when you're in a relationship where you make promises to each other and people have to show up at certain times and communicate what they're doing. And that's not a bad thing. It's a different thing though. Mm-hmm. And I think what I hate so much about the cultural programming is it's like this communication that you can have both and that you get both in a relationship. When the reality is like saying yes to a relationship is saying no to singleness and saying yes to singleness is saying no to a relationship, but they're both good gifts. They're just different gifts, you know? Mm-hmm. Yes, I I'm feel just, about it. I'm just basking in the glow of your wisdom fads. <laughs> that was like such a beautiful speech. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you're, oh, I mean, gosh. another thing is, I think our culture doesn't set up couples for success, really. Right. Like, totally because of the delusion yeah and also the just the like isolation yes and the and the everything communication that you're gonna find everything in this person that right. it's friendship plus right and right, then right. what happens is i mean i see clients who are in this spot all the time who are like my husband isn't meeting xyz need and they list out the needs and it's like you want him to be your best friend your lover your partner your business partner your house manager like he was never supposed to be everything Mm -hmm. and you don't have other options because you've dropped all your real friendships to make this relationship work because you thought he was going to be everything instead of being like oh he what we have is different than what i have with this friend over here which is different Mm -hmm. than what i have with this friend over here and i need all of them and can lean on all of them distinctly and differently. But then I think what happens in a relationship is maybe because of like that first season when you're like sort of obsessy or just because of the cultural programming, people really feel like their partners should be all these things, should be their best friend, should be their lover, should be their business partner, should fulfill all these boxes instead of letting that relationship be what it is, which is like a very important person in your life, <laughs> you mm. know, a very critical person and then you have this other person who's very critical to you you know right yeah I mean it's just way too much pressure and like yeah also I feel like you're not even allowed to really socialize like people are suspicious like if you are a man who's married and you're like you know I want to take tonight and like hang out with some female friends People are going to be like, oh, yes. you're obviously yes. cheating and you're obviously like yes. an asshole. And like, but like, you're not even allowed to seek any like 
other social options. I mean, especially with, it's like, okay, we already have to like work ourselves to fucking death and grind our bones into dust just to survive in this fucking country. So you're already exhausted from your 40 hour work week job. And then you have to put in the time to your, yeah, like if you're in a relationship, a romantic relationship, that takes time to maintain. So what's left for you and what's left for like other relationships? It's just, it's like, it's, it's like a perfect storm. Yeah. Your romantic relationship will be better when you do have other relationships. And so like, really, it's like the cultural programming thing I hate most is not just the like highlighting of this romantic delusion that's the jerry Maguire thing right if you complete me Mm, that concept mm -hmm. i not only like dislike that i mostly dislike the belittling of friendship like deep real friendship where you can have those kinds of relationships with a friend that is really deep and meaningful that i feel like back in the day i don't know if this is true or not but like i'm thinking like little women (laughs) the little women days there was like this real like when Joe's like, <laughs> you quote Supernatural, I quote I Little Women. I love so when, much that you're quoting Little Women. Wait, are we talking the Winona right. Ryder version? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, not the book, not obviously. Not the book, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, Amy's like, oh, do you love Laurie? You know? Which, yeah, obviously, secretly the answer was yes. Yeah. Bad move, Joe. Oh, totally. sorry, spoiler alert. <laughs> um, <laughs> and she's like, oh, don't be silly. Like, I could never love anyone the way I love my sisters. Mm, and I just mm-hmm. love that, like... I've been, I think, lucky enough to have like deep, deep friendships that have lasted years and years and years and years and years. And I think like that's one of the things that makes me be in a position where it's like, yeah, sure, I would love to be in a romantic relationship. But for today, I'm really lucky. I have a lot of people who I can do life with who love me and I love and I feel like I have partners. I do feel alone a lot. But then I look at my friends who are in a relationship with someone and they also feel alone yeah. like, <laughs> yes that's so true and we're all just trying to make it through you know mm-hmm. I remember once even being with I think one time I was visiting Hannah and Ella and Maggie in LA and we were all like driving to get breakfast and I was like on you know some sob story <laughs> I was like oh, I'm gonna be lonely forever and Hannah was like Hannah Gelb you'll feel lonely all the time even when you're in a relationship <laughs> Yes. It's like, that's it's just so sad, but so I true. I mean, that's just what being a human is. Loneliness is like yeah. the human condition. Yes, I think so. Because like, we're very complicated on the inside. And most of the time, we don't even know what we're feeling. Mm. And if we do know what we're feeling, trying to articulate it well is impossible. And even if we could do that, someone else hearing it without their own filter is impossible. So I think it's just like, part of getting used to that tension of like, I'm doing my best to be known and it's so great when I have moments where I feel known, but like I have to let go of that expectation that there's going to be a person in this world who can like climb inside of my soul and understand me deeply enough that I won't feel that anymore, you know? Right, 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 right. Dude, just the other day I was like, so I've just been going through this like conflict in my family and I felt so sad and lonely and I was just trying to like I was like, God, I just wish I had someone to like cuddle with. And I tried to like picture who I could like cuddle with who would make me feel like, ah, I am not alone and I am okay. And I just realized like, no, there's no one who can do that for me. No one. And I, I think that's another reason I'm not dating right now is because I'm just still very aware that I have a very shaky sense of self. I mean, that may, it may be surprising to some, but (laughs) 
like when I'm dating, I'm immediately thinking, how do I appear to this person? It's like I'm only looking at myself yeah. through their eyes and yeah. wanting to be some perfect person. And it's like, that's nothing yeah. good is ever going to come of that. And that, it may no. take me years to like work on it. But okay, I'd rather. And you may learn that in the context of a relationship. A lot of people work their shit out in a relationship, which is awesome for them. Mm-hmm. I think it's just to do with like, like exactly what you're saying, just not having that expectation. And even if you still instinctively put it on someone, at least you know, in your head, it's not their job. It's not their job to save me. It's not their job to like heal me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember when I was a kid, this is kind of a sad story. But when I was a kid, I wrote in my journal, I don't even know why I was thinking about this at such a young age, but I must have been like eight or nine. And I was like, you know, dear God, please make sure I'm married before one of my parents dies. <laughs> Which oh, wow. is like, oh, why were you thinking about that little sad weirdo? <laughs> but that's like, when, that's very normal. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. And then my dad did die. You know, he passed away of cancer. And what was so crazy is at the time I shared an office with a girl who her, she lost her dad to cancer the same two weeks before me. And she got married two weeks before that. So she was like newly married, had lost her dad and me too. And we would come to work every day. And like, both of us were very new to the grief scene, like had never gone through anything like that before. And it was so confusing and disruptive. And we both felt like, are we, are we okay? Like, is this okay? Are we going crazy? That was such like a healing season for me with her specifically, because every time I would have that thought of like, oh my gosh, if only I had a person to go through this with, Mm -hmm. I would come to work and sit down with her. And she would tell me how horrifically lonely it felt to go home to a person who loved her and wanted her to like open up and share but who hadn't known her dad, you know, because he just met him. Yeah, And she was like, it's so isolating to have this huge thing happening inside of me that I can't share with this person who I just married and I love so much. It made her feel so alone. And there was just something about that that was like really sweet that we had each other and that her husband understood that and was like, yeah, go talk to Fabs about it. But also for me to see like, oh, that thing you thought would fix this, like you thought having a husband would make it okay to lose your dad. Like it wouldn't have, people aren't replaceable. Like you yeah. can't just sub one in or out for another. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah, man. God, humans are wild. Okay. Let me ask you another question. <laughs> the tone. I don't even know where, I don't okay. know where we are in this conversation, but I'm loving it. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah, me too. Hannah's going to be like, what happened? You guys went rogue. <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> okay. Let's talk about online dating Ugh, okay. because I've never done it. And then I want to talk about blind dates because I think someone's trying to set me up on one right now, but because they know my style of like, nope, sorry, I'm not like that. They are like telling me it's not a date. But I'm like, what would it be if it's not a date then? You just want me to go meet this random guy? <laughs> like, for what purpose? They're like, okay. no, it's an so exchange are... of, like, d d cards. She was, like, <laughs> <laughs> she was like, I think the two of you will just really connect. And I was like, I don't know what that means. I don't need more friends. I'm pretty good. Yeah. And, like, I'm kind of maxed oh my out. God. Yeah. Is this a secret covert date? Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so tell me your thoughts on online dating and blind dates. I think any vehicle of dating is fine. I've kind of sworn off online dating because it's such a weird way to look at people. Mm. Like, the, it basically becomes like any other type of social media where you're like, I'm bored. I'm going to look through these faces. Okay, you yeah, know, yeah. And then, like, simplifying them down so much. When you actually meet a human, you get a sense of, like, 
who they are and what kind of energy they put out and like what their vibe is and like it's so hard to do that with online dating so i'm always like well i could be passing over like the most amazing person but like there's just no way i mean maybe i'm just being a perfectionist again about it i'm like there's no way to do this that's like it's like i guess it's not a perfect it's not perfect that's okay nothing's perfect i don't know yeah now if i imagine myself sitting being on a date and like sitting across from someone looking into their eyes i have no idea what it is i like want to see and I also am like, right. there's no way that you're going to be okay. Like, you suck already. I can just tell. Like, <laughs> oh I've just God. been, I'm like. Bill, that sounds like that all or nothing, black or white thinking. <laughs> oh, God, you're right. I've just been so disappointed. I'm just. I know. So yeah. So over men. I mean, <laughs> it's so hard. I have, my, I have a couple of friends who, like, met their person on online dating, you know. Mm-hmm. So, like, I've seen it work in a really beautiful and healthy way. I'm aware that like, I am the reason it wouldn't work for me or that I feel that way. I feel it wouldn't work for me because I don't like to date at all. And I don't like to date because I, it's very unlikely I will be attracted to someone in that scenario. Scenario? I don't know how you pronounce that word. Mm, um, either is fine. <laughs> so I've all, you know, and then people are like, well, you won't know if you don't try. So then I go on all these dates and then it's like, no, no, I exactly what I said. I hate everything about this. And I'm sitting there the whole time. Like maybe if we met in a different way, I might be able to be attracted to you, but I don't work like this. Like I don't, I so don't it's like the, feel this like this. The dating environment is too like forced and weird. Yes, it's too like, you're trying to assess if you have feelings for that person. Mm. And for me, attraction is such a like shy emotion that it's like, if I'm trying to assess that, it goes so far underground that I will never be able to answer that question in that context. Mm. It would have to be a context where you can't, it's not like you can trick yourself into pretending we're not trying to figure out if we're attracted to each other. I know if that's what we're doing. Mm-hmm. So it's like, we have to actually be in a context where we weren't, where we were just like hanging out and no one was trying to like assess attraction level. We were just enjoying each other as human beings. And then I would be able to tell if, you are attracted. So I have friends who I think can do this really well. One of my old roommates used to like go on dates with people all the time. And I think it's because she's an extrovert and she did just want to go and like have coffee with someone. And that wasn't weird to her. And she wasn't assessing attraction. She was like, Oh, I'm just getting to know a new human mm-hmm. and how fun. I love meeting mm-hmm. new people, oh, but oh my God. I do not <laughs> love meeting new people. It's actually like one of the hardest things in the world for me and creates a lot of anxiety and I can do it. And I'm like, kind of good at it, but I really hate it. I think if you're the kind of person who really could be like, even if it's not a great date, I I just love people and like how interesting we get to spend time together. Then my issue wouldn't be that big of an issue for that kind of person. But Mm. I'm not that kind of person. Man, I feel like I could be that person, but I just choose to be so angry and bitter. (laughs) (laughs) But I feel like, God, I... Wait, okay. If you could be that kind of person, you should go, you should do online dating. (laughs) I feel like I like meeting people. I am interested in humans, but then I... You do seem interested in them. But I also, I just get so uh, sidetracked by like heteronormative dating culture. It's just so fucking stupid and like... I feel like if you're going to date, you need to really be like all in. I feel like right now, if I was dating, I'd just be like having one foot in and one foot out. I'd be like, well, I'm not really but into this, but that might be the best way to meet someone. I don't know. Because then what if they caught you off guard, you know, or it's like, I'm because the expectations aren't so high because you're not like, you know, I obviously I spent some time in church land 
And let me just tell you, you want to talk about hard dating environments? The pressure that goes into church type dating <laughs> is the worst. <laughs> oh it's like, oh my goodness, did you talk to did you talk to a boy? I guess you guys are getting married next weekend. You know, wow. it's like so much, yeah, too much. Yeah. And I kind of feel like that attitude, the like one foot one out, might be the best way to like start a relationship that can just be what it is, where you can just like get to know someone and not be putting all that pressure on it. Yeah. I guess I also just don't see how it would like fit into my life at all. Okay. Like timing wise? Yeah. Like it just feels like if I was dating now, I'd be selling myself short because I feel like really once and for all, I'm like, I really need to address these like very, very, yeah. very deep traumas that I have around like jobs yeah. and like perfectionism. And I just don't think anything. Yeah. I just don't see how I could put yeah, energy totally. into someone else. And I'm, yeah. you know, and I'm trying to, I'm doing this podcast and I'm working and I'm like, I'm trying to like figure out what yeah. kind of a job I can have that like, and I don't know. I just, I feel like it would just be like an energy suck that I just don't have. Also, yeah. I can barely yeah. like even do my laundry. Like, how can I date somebody? I, t- <laughs> I know. <laughs> I do yeah. not understand it's- how people have children. I mean, just thinking about it no, makes me have O-M-G. so much anxiety. <laughs> It's insane. <laughs> I think that they don't know. I think I think that they just like have a delusion about it and then they have them and then it's too late. And then you love them, <laughs> then it's easier. Yeah. No, and you just figure it out as you go, I guess. But like I cannot right, you just adjust. I cannot even figure out how health insurance works. How do you help your child so choose a college to go to? Like Oh man. What the fuck? You know? Totally. But I think you just like adjust and expand. It's like, remember how when you're in college, you're like, oh my gosh, I have no time. And now you're like, what did I do in college? I must have slept like 20 hours a day. (laughs) Yeah. But I think you just adjust to like whatever your life hands you, you kind of like expand to fit it in. So then, yeah, I mean, I do have doubts. I'm like, well, Hannah Gelb, it sounds like you're like, no, I have to wait until I'm fully cooked and then I can date and like, I don't think I have a lot to give anyone right now. Not like, oh, I'm not. I I mean, like, I don't have a lot of emotional. Yeah, totally. uh, Like bandwidth. Bandwidth to give to anybody else. Yeah. I mean, I'm very like, obviously, I'm very pro doing the work and doing the work in yourself is a great, good thing to do. And I don't think there's anything wrong with being like, hey, this is a season where I want to do that. Mm-hmm. I think where it gets into trouble is where people start to think like, oh, this is a season where I do that. And then I'll find a man or a partner. Then I'll be fixed. You know, it's mm-hmm. like that. Actually, all you're trying to gain this season is get better at working on yourself so that you have the tools more accessible and more available because you're always going to ha- to work on yourself. Mm-hmm. Like you're, there isn't like an arrival point coming. Right, and certainly right. any relationship, even a friendship that's really close is going to bring up a ton new, a ton of new messy, horrible things that you're like, have to work through. You right, know? right. Man, that just reminds me like what I notice. And I remember this about when I was in a relationship is like, sometimes the person you're in a romantic relationship with will say something to you that is so harmless. But because of your relationship and your background and together, you interpret it as this like slight against you. And I remember doing that. And now I'm around people who are, you know, like in couples and I see them doing that with each other. And it just makes me feel like I'm so happy. (laughs) I'm not with anybody right now. Like, oh my God. I guess it's just, uh, it's fine that those things come up, but it's also unfortunate that like love, romantic love, 
does bring up just all of your most horrible shit, like, <laughs> yeah. which is good and bad, I, mean, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it is a thing that's like, I know all those people listening out there who are in relationships would be like, guys, it's not all bad. <laughs> no, like, of course not. No, obviously, we're two people who I think would both be really happy if we met someone tomorrow who we had feelings for. It's sort of like kids where it's like when you don't have feelings for them, it's really hard to imagine it being worth it. But obviously that all changes when you have somebody you want. Mm -hmm, And then it's mm -hmm. like, it's worth it. Mm -hmm. It's all worth the hard thing because there's a person you want. It's really easy to sit around and talk like this when there isn't that. You know what I mean? Right, 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 right. And and maybe that's like the way it ought to be because it's a healthy dose of like, yeah, having kids, having a partner, those are really hard, overwhelming things. And the only reason you should do it is because you want someone specific. Or you have a child and you love them. You know, like, Mm -hmm. it's really love that makes it worthwhile. Mm -hmm. I'm all down with everything we said. But what do you do about having sex? Because I'm coming up on like six months (laughs) plus with nothing. And it's like getting (sighs) bad. I mean, it's getting bad to the point where my like lizard brain will like just kind of appear (laughs) and like do things that I don't want it to do and wait wait I don't understand that I'm gonna need an example (laughs) I guess like (laughs) like you just have thoughts or things that you're like whoa yeah this is not an appropriate time to have that thought yes probably very intrusive thoughts also oh hey the bus driver brushed my hand maybe that's a thing I don't know and then I'm like maybe and then it's like also you don't know how much of your craziness is just there because you haven't had sex in so long sometimes I feel like right You just need to do it and like have a reset so that you don't need it anymore. (laughs) But like, what am I going to do? Oh my gosh. I I don't want a horrible one night stand sex with a stranger. I want to have like real meaningful sex with someone I care about. But it's like, well, where am I going to? I don't have that. That person doesn't exist right now. So like, what am I supposed to do? Right. It's sort of like eating healthy, I guess, for me, because that's the analogy that comes to mind because I'm, I'm trying to do that right now. I have to be like, hey, is that what you really want? Like, I know right now you're craving whatever a cheeseburger and fries, but would it even taste that good? Is that like, it's like the thing you actually want is the thing you can't have, you know? And like, if that's okay, then you do the work of like grieving that and Uh, acknowledging that, that that's hard. Yeah. Especially when you're in your prime. You you really are in your prime. What are, are you like 32? I'm 33. 33. 33. That's like, isn't that like the highest sex drive age for women? I don't know. People always say different things. I think it is. I'm in my Jesus year. You're right. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> gotta be. It's gotta be the Jesus year. Yeah. You know, I try to just think about it but like any other appetite where it's like, I acknowledge it. I look at what it wants. Because, okay. Because like, do you ever get confused about sleeping and eating? Like when I'm really tired I'm like, I need to eat. And I'm like, that's not actually what you want. And to know what you actually want and to be able to honor that like desire or appetite and be willing to accept the reality that you can't have that right now and then get to decide what you want to do with that. If you want, let's use you as an example so that we don't have to get into me. Um, (laughs) If you want to have like sex with somebody that's like you want to feel attracted, excited, but also like love feelings towards them and like deep intimacy and safety and security, that's not a thing you can have tomorrow. Right. Have or like, even that is like, the se- that's like setting the bar way. Too- I'm like, I would settle for a dude who's like, I, I can, t- I am aware that you're here, that another person is here. <laughs> no, that's not true because you could have that. I think, 
we could go out to some bars and find you a guy and you could have a guy in your bed who is aware of you as a person I don't know, <laughs> and attracted man. to you. I mean, possibly. I mean, I think if you do want that, well, yeah, you can have it. But see, here's the thing. It's like if I'm out seeking this thing, I don't think a heterosexual man is out seeking what I'm seeking for the same reasons. Like if a dude's at a bar and he's trying to get laid, I feel like he may be feeling lonely or like he wants a connection, but is probably not interpreting it in that way. He's probably thinking, I want to have sex. I guess, okay, I'm not trying to put all men down. I'm just saying, in my experience, I've never had like a... Well, it's I've just the never, intimacy I've never passion had, uh, I've never had like triangle. A, <laughs> yeah, you're right, you're right. That fucking <laughs> like, triangle! Of course, of course you're not gonna have like a deep intimate connection with a person you met a few hours before. That's not how intimacy works. Yeah. Like, in friendships, it's the same way. You can have like the... You can have a simulated intimacy, right? With Even if you think about it in the context of a friendship, you can go to dinner with a person you've never met before and you guys end up having like a super deep conversation and you leave and you're like, oh my God, we really connected that we have great intimacy. But it's not real intimacy because you have no idea if they're like actually that person or if they just like overshared at dinner. You know, right, real intimacy right. is a thing that's like, it come, it's based on knowing and knowing comes with time. Mm-hmm. And so, but if you're looking for intimacy... The way to get intimacy is always going to be through vulnerability. It's not super safe to be super vulnerable with someone you met a few hours ago. So then am I doing myself more harm by even like trying to have sex at all? Because it's like you're with someone who's looking past you at someone else. And you're also looking past that person at someone else. It's some like imaginary Mm. thing you're both looking at. And then you're like, okay, uh, bye. I don't know. (laughs) Well, people are different, right? Like, it's like, there are people who want different things out of relationships. And there are people who can have intimacy or passion or whatever with someone. Like, sort of like my friend who can go on these blind dates and be like, oh, I just really enjoyed you as a person. And that's enough. And it's satisfying. And I'm not trying to see what it will become. I'm enjoying it as it is. Mm -hmm. I think there are people like that. I'm somebody who's like, yeah, no, I want, I do want all these things in combination, right? Like I don't want them separated out. I want vulnerability and intimacy and passion and commitment to all overlap. And I feel uncomfortable when one gets ahead of the other. I'm just that kind of person. I'm aware that not everybody is like that. Really, it's about being able to know what you actually want, be honest with yourself about what you actually want, not be ashamed about what you actually want. And then pursue what you actually want. So like being able to recognize, oh, I'm tired, not hungry. And so I'm going to sleep, not eat. Being able to separate out your desires and be like, you know, I think that's a lot of people have a hard time being willing to like listen to themselves long enough to know what they need and then to acknowledge what they need. I mean, even for me on this podcast, it's kind of embarrassing to be like, ah, you know, I want them all together. That doesn't sound cool to me. That sounds like kind of a loser, <laughs> a loser church girl or whatever, what? you know? No, no, no. Finish the thought from your mind. That is true. <laughs> I mean, that is true for me. And yeah. I, I want to be able to like honor it without being ashamed of it. And right. I, I don't want to steal because I don't think I'm going to be able to have the thing I actually want. I don't want to be like, I'm probably never going to have a person who actually wants me. So let me just go home with someone who's just looking for <laughs> my body, you know? Right. I don't want to do that. I mean, that's the fear. Yeah. Gosh, Fabs, you're so full of wisdom. You're right. I mean, I think probably a lot of people haven't even had this conversation with anybody, (laughs) you know, and, 
I feel like for me, I, it really just, just comes down to like, I just am so scared of being hurt. That sounds so cliche. I, I guess it's because I feel like when I've been vulnerable in the past, it's been like, oh, that's gross. Do not like or reject. And I don't want to do that again. That is yeah. awful. True vulnerability does feel really scary and hard. I always thought I was a person who was like super good at vulnerability, but then I realized like, oh no, I'm just, I just don't have a lot of things that feel vulnerable. Actually, it was after my dad died that I was like, oh wait, this is a whole new thing where it's like, I just am not able to do this. I'm not able to like open this part of myself up to someone, even though I want someone else in it with me so bad. And that was like the first experience I had of like, oh, I guess this is what vulnerability actually feels like, which is terrifying. Mm -hmm. I'm like really scary. And like you're risking something because that's what it means. It's okay that it feels scary and hard. And I don't think you have to do it with everybody. You know, I think yeah. it's just like figuring out, is this person giving you the signals that they're safe enough to take the next step of vulnerability with? Are they a safe place to give the next piece of information to? Over time, giving them more and more. And again, like safety is a tricky word because it's like, what does that even mean? Mm -hmm. You know? It doesn't mean that they're never going to hurt you. And it doesn't mean that they're never going to reject parts of you mm -hmm. because they have their own baggage and issues. Right, it's just figuring right. out like, are they emotionally available? Are they emotionally present? Mm -hmm. Are they kind? Or do they listen? Mm -hmm. Are they trying to be better humans? Yeah. You know? And I guess when I like I realized when I say I'm afraid of getting hurt, it's more like I'm afraid of showing someone all of myself the really icky, embarrassing, ashamed parts and the messiness and all that stuff. And for that, yeah. that never being okay with anybody. Like it's like, yeah. like some part of it's always going to have to be hidden. Yeah. Well, and then I wonder like, is it even possible to bear everything to someone or is something, are some parts always just going to not come to the surface? I mean, I think it's possible as much as you know about yourself, but like, all of us have sort of blinders on when it comes to ourselves, where we justify certain things or there are parts of ourselves that we're in denial about, you know, and then mm -hmm. life will kind of force us to face a thing we've been ignoring for a long time. And life is kind of patient with us in that way where it's like you can go years and years and not see a pattern. And then all of a sudden, it's like all you can see, you know, mm -hmm. I think it's possible to share with another human everything you see about yourself. And I think it's extremely painful when the parts of you that you fear rejection for, or the parts of you that you yourself in a room alone are like, I think that makes me unlovable. Mm -hmm. When you share that with someone else and they react like you're unlovable, I think that's pretty much the worst feeling that a human can have emotionally. Yeah. But at the end of the day, when someone looks back at you and you show all of you and they're like, no, I think you're still lovable. It's shocking to me how insufficient that is. At the end of the day, if you're not in a room on your own, able to be like, I see all of me and I accept all of me, other people's voices are just never big enough. When you can do that alone in a room, I think even though it still feels like the worst thing when someone looks at part of you and is like, no, I don't want that. Mm -hmm. It's not as bad as that can be when you're not sure on your own. It's so destabilizing. If you're not sure on your own, then when someone says that, it knocks you off. Like you can't, you're like drowning. But if you know on your own, if you're like, I hear you and you know what, you're wrong. Mm -hmm. Like all mm -hmm. of me is lovable. Mm -hmm. I think that's so painful still, but it's a different place. 
And well, and also, I just I do not think the majority of people out there in the world in relationships are like, yes, I know I have looked at everything in myself and I love all of it. Right. I'm like, that is not I the case. I totally agree. <laughs> I totally agree. I guess there are people who don't overthink and analyze every single thing and ever God bless them. to enter God, their brain. And the Lord bless them. <laughs> that seems like a really good way to be. He has been merciful to them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I know it does seem like a wonderful reality. The thing is, like, people are just different, you know, like the world wouldn't go round if all the people were like me. Mm -hmm. And the world wouldn't go round if none of the people were like me. Mm -hmm. It takes all the kinds of people. It takes all the kinds of people. (laughs) It does. It takes people who do all the kinds of dating, who do all the kinds of relationships to make the world go round. Ah, Fabs, that is just, I think we should just end right there because... <laughs> Man, maybe we should do a little like Hannah Fab side dating series of Oh podcasts. my gosh. Like if we actually ever did go on a date, we could talk about oh, it. Oh, we should totally talk right? about it. Right? Because we Hannah should totally talk about it. Hannah is affianced. She's all got that yeah, shit on lock. We should <laughs> we should loop her in so she can give her commentary because I know our perspectives are very skewed. Mm-hmm. I know when she listens to this, she'll be like, Oh, you guys. You need someone in there who can tell you the truth oh, <laughs> about yourselves. But don't you think Hannah Hart's also skewed in her own Hannah Hart ways? <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> but it takes, <laughs> of course, of course, we all are, you know? Yeah. We should totally do it. Earbuds, tell us if you like it. Yes, earbuds. Be kind to me because this is my first time being vulnerable, earbuds. Oh my gosh, you're doing great, dude. You're you're the best and yes earbuds please let us know would you like a series called Han and Fabs the non-dating dating story <laughs> I love it I love it oh uh, my yes. god well Fabs thank you so much for giving your time and for being on the Handleize This today of course thank you for listening earbuds you're the best and we love you and please continue to talk to us on all of the social media and check out our Patreon page if you haven't already done so and we love you. The end. <laughs>